Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast brought to you by Coordination.com, hosted on the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network, JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahochko and I am the founder of the Jittery Monkey uh, Podcast Network. Easy for me to say, you know, it's only been in existence over five years. Uh, I'm joined by my good friend, uh, fellow Husker fan and broadcast buddy, Mr. Haas Reuter. Haas uh, before we get to football, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there, you know, uh, feeling like a little bit of Cleveland, a little bit of a Cleveland Browns fan. And uh, I also feel like Charlie Kelly from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you know, explaining who Pepe Sylvia is with my schoolwork and keeping up with that. But I'm good. How are you? I'm 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 OK. Uh, I'm going to get by. I it's funny because. Sunday morning, you know, we were recording this, uh, obviously, Sunday night. Game was Saturday, and this will, will drop Monday morning, so it's a good time to record. Um, a Sunday morning, I, I was, you know, took my boy to church, and, and I was dressed in all black. And, and uh, I, I hadn't worn a tie in a while, so I just wanted to wear a tie to church, and uh, it just happened to be black on black on black pants. Uh, went to the grocery store with my boy, and when it was time uh, to, you know, sit down, relax, I put on Smokey and the Bandit, and, uh, I, you know, just I hadn't seen that movie in a long time, and, of course, Burt Reynolds just passed a few weeks ago, so I felt it was a good one to, uh, you know, watch again. I mean, I I hadn't seen that movie since I was a child. Uh, it's just not one that ever, you know, popped up in, in, in the catalog. I don't own the movie, but it was on Amazon Prime, so I, I said, heck with it, I'll watch it. Um, then about... One o'clock or so, my wife's like, I'm going to go to the gym. I said, all right, sounds good. Uh, I'll be here with the boys. She said, yeah, if you want to, you know, get him down for his nap, that'd be that'd be cool. Because uh, he doesn't, uh, she takes naps, you know, or, or, you know, she puts him to nap differently than I do. I, uh, She puts him in the big bed, puts on something on the TV that he won't have any interest in, you know, like no cartoons, anything that's going to keep him awake. I always thought, you know, like if I lay in his bed with him and throw on some classic Mickey Mouse cartoons from the 60s or something like that, no, nah, he's he's a little too uh, engaged in that. So uh, it, I'm, I'm making a point, folks, I promise. Um, so I put on Groundhog Day, and that's where I feel like Husker football's at right now. It's, we're just kind of living the same thing with various little, little uh, you know, subtle differences week to week, but the same result, and we've got to go back and do it all again next week. Um, as we as we transition, I mean, the Michigan game, I, the entire season, I think, you know, we, we've hoped that it would go better. I think we all thought it would go better. It's not gone better, and, and now that we're into Big Ten play and the competition is improving, it's only getting worse. Um, that being said... This is another situation, and I used the term last week to talk about, you know, potentially this season, but this game was snake bit 
from Nebraska's first offensive series after the uh, uh, tip drill interception. Nothing went right after that, and a lot of things went wrong. Yeah, it was about as worse of a start as you could ever want to see in a game like this when you're already outgunned. And it's, it's especially cruel when it comes on a play where you scheme the defense into leaving somebody open, and like J.D. Spielman on that little dump route off of that RPO. And from there, it was like that one shot, that one sliver of hope that we had of pulling something off in this game just evaporated right before our eyes. You, you, you could tell that it was, you know, same song, different verse. It was, you know, to their credit, Michigan did what good teams are supposed to do, and that's to deflate the sails early on mm-hmm. and uh, uh, find a way to there, – there's a, a very eloquent word that just escaped me, but find a way to, um, I don't know, demotivate. I don't think that's the right word, but uh, beyond that – Basically- Basically break our will. Exactly, yeah. And and in doing so, they were able to impose theirs. I mean, they, you know, we talked in, in the preview last week that, you know, maybe the uh, Nebraska defensive front seven might be able to do some things to Michigan's big boys up front. That didn't happen. Uh, you know, Shea Patterson had himself a nice day. And no, nothing went right. And I don't disagree with the... I don't. I don't disagree necessarily with the idea of pulling Adrian Martinez when you did. Um, no, me neither. I, even though he missed, you know, the the Troy game last week, it would. If things were in, in you know, if things, I guess what I'm trying to say is he could, could have probably used the reps. But at what point do you just not want to pile on, you know, a 19 year old kid? Um, and I didn't. I didn't see the sense in it. Um, and, and we'll we'll talk about you know, other things, you know, other aspects of the game as well. But I want to make sure that we get this in because I, I don't want it to slip my mind, but Wyatt Mazur, you know, I know it's mop up time. I know it's, you know, it, it meaningless in the grand scheme of things, but for that young man, I mean, that's going to be a memory that he has his entire life. He went into the big house and again, it doesn't matter the situation. He got a touchdown on the road at the big house for, you know, his home state team, Nebraska, you know, the, the Albion, Nebraska kid. Uh, I was pulling for him when they got down close to the end zone. I really wanted him to get that, get that score. And I'm glad that glad that it happened for him. Um, again, irrelevant in the grand scheme of things, it could, whether the final score was 56 to three or 56 to 10, it didn't really matter, but I was happy for him. Absolutely. You know, it's always good to see somebody who's paid their dues get in, whether you're up 53 or down 53. You know, it's it's important. And so to see him get in and show what he's made of, show what he's got, and score a touchdown in the big house, uh, you know, he fulfilled, you know, he probably would have liked to have been in a game where we were up instead of down, but he fulfilled the dream. And moving forward, I think, you know, from the, from the standpoint of him just giving it all he's got when we're down 53 points, he's earned snaps moving forward. You know, it's not it's not a slight on the performance of Greg Bell or Divino Zigbo or Maurice Washington 
but you reward a guy's loyalty and hard work by getting him some snaps and you never know Missouri is a good athlete he might give you a little bit of a spark offensively he reminds me a lot of and it, you know a lot of people might balk at this or uh um are we talking skin color comparison here? No, 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 no. Uh, Rex Burkhead? No, I was going to say Danny Woodhead. Oh. Uh, a little little undersized in the backfield. Uh, what what I loved about watching Woodhead, uh, you know, for a few years when I was up in Chadron was, and this is not a knock on Danny. I mean, he, he knows he's short. Uh, not that he's listening to the show, uh, although he should, and he should do a call-in sometime. Um, but... It was always his coaches at the time that, that I would talk to uh, on my radio program out there. They always said, you know, one, one of the aside from his uh, shifty footwork and his speed is because he's small, he's able to kind of sneak in behind the uh, the lineman, kind of unseen, find the hole, and then motor through it. And I, I kind of see some similarities there uh, between uh, you know from Woodhead and, and Mazur. So. Um, you know, obviously their careers took two different paths, uh, but, uh, you know, like you said, if if he can work a couple snaps into, um, you know, some relevant, uh, you know, some relevant snaps, and you know, at least provide a different look, something that the uh, defense may not be ready for and, and you know, might spell one of the, the other uh, running backs, you know, for a, a series or two, so, so uh you know, like I said, I was just really proud of him at that moment, and uh, uh, you know, hope that we can see some more of him. I I was I was really impressed with his vision on the zone runs. You know, he was hitting the finding the open hole, and he's hitting the hole with you know good acceleration. He kind of would you know be able, when he'd bend it back against the grain. You know. Showed good body control, kind of leaning like a track runner going around the bend, you know, there. And uh, I'd like to see him get some more reps. At this point in this season, we're 0-3. I mean, you got to leave no stone unturned. you got to reward a guy for sticking it out and, you know, keep working in the face of when everything has gone wrong. Let's talk now about, you know, some of the more difficult aspects, and that's just that, you know, we talked about the tip drill, that, that turnover. You know, there were things that Nebraska needed to do well, needed to go their way for them to have success this past Saturday. None of that happened, whether it was turnovers or special teams or penalties. Um, the the Tajon Lindsay muffed punt was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I'm not one to call out a player, but he knows better. You know, and I, I don't know if he just got a little too, too cagey and, uh, and and thought he might be able to provide a spark, you know, to use that word, or, or you know, something something that he saw made him think it was a good idea. Uh, obviously, it ended up not being a good idea, and uh, uh, so that was a big big blunder there. <sighs> Poor Adrian Martinez, he just didn't have a whole lot of time to do anything. And, uh, no, and and without get, without him getting into a rhythm, the offense never, you know, found a groove at all. No, it, you know, we struggled to protect him with our pass protections, and it was a little bit of being overmatched physically in addition to, again, 
pre-snap miscommunications and missed line calls, guys not knowing who to block. Michigan overloaded our blind side multiple times and exploited that B gap between Brendan Hymas and Gerald Foster. Um, our issues in pass protection with that B gap have gone back to the Oregon game last year. And it, at some point it's a, you know, at some point it's up to the player to identify those issues up front. Um, and then in the running game, we couldn't get a push. Um, we weren't going to, even if we were on our A game, we weren't going to get much of a push on that front four from Michigan. So, you know, as disappointing as it was, it wasn't altogether shocking. Let's talk about that because it's a – I know that, you know, injuries and, and you know, losing uh, Adrian Martinez for over a game, you know, uh, uh, the, the Troy game and the end of the Colorado game, losing him – almost seems like it has it almost seems like the entire team has regressed a little bit and I know that Michigan's a better team than Colorado um and and Troy may or may not be but it just seems like as as a as an entire team they're not as good after three games as they were you know the first half of Colorado well let's say the end of the third quarter of Colorado because the first half wasn't <laughs> really good anyway yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I just kind of feel like it goes back to, you know, being snake bit when something goes wrong, guys have a tendency to kind of pack it in mentally. You got to have better mental toughness than that. It reminds me of that first game of the Mike Riley era where BYU hits that Hail Mary at the end of the game and whatever, you know, culture that was starting to be established by that staff in the locker room, you know, just quickly dissolve. And, from the sounds of what Frost has talked about, you know, with guys going off and doing their own things and, you know, guys not exactly buying in, paying attention to detail, doing the little things that, you know, when you do enough of the little things right, it has a compounding effect to, you know, become the big things. I think that, you know, guys, when things go wrong, they will in the face of adversity. And you saw that when LaVisca Chenault, Hall's in that pass to go up 33-28 on us. And then when Adrian Martinez gets, you know, before that play, Adrian Martinez gets hurt. And then against Troy, you know, things kind of spiral off the rails, you know, with the punt return. And then from there, it's just a, you know, a litany of errors where guys start losing confidence in the face of adversity. And that's one of the biggest things where, you know, you got to control what you can control. You can't control the fact that the guy across from you might be better than you, but you control your own preparation and you control your own, you know, practice habits and your own, you know, your own mindset. And so it's, uh, it's disappointing to see that we're still snake bit, but when you consider the, you know, the inconsistency and just the, fragile foundation that this football program has had since 2014 it's not altogether shocking i mean we're on our third head coach fourth defensive coordinator um you know multiple we're on our fifth safeties coach three different strength coaches so that kind of inconsistency guys you know they don't have a firm foundation of 
you know, values as a program that are entrenched to fall back on when things go wrong. What was it, and I'm probably paraphrasing and or at least not getting it quite accurate as I should, but uh, did Frost say something in his post-game presser about, you know, if you do things wrong on Thursday, you can't expect to do them right on Saturday? Yeah, he did. And uh, when he said that, I – I just kind of nodded in agreement because it's like taking a test, you know, you know, being in school, it's like, you know, you go to class all week or for multiple weeks, you know, with a test coming up, you know, you pay attention, you take notes, you prepare, you study, you get the fine details of everything. So, you know, a couple of days before that test or, you know, when you're walking in to take that test, everything, you know, you got everything down, you know, it's just a matter of going out there and, you know, answering every question right. And a football game is really no different, except it's much more physical than sitting at a desk taking a test, you know. Football game, you know, you study, you know, you prepare your body all week, you prepare your mind all week, pay attention to the details of how a defender might play a certain block or a certain call that the defense might be in on third and long. You're, you're ready to just turn it loose and play football. Instead, with not being prepared, if you don't have those details down by Thursday, they're not going to come to you in two days by Saturday. There was a, and I, th- I think what happened on Twitter was because there was something that I can't remember exactly who tweeted it, but they were tweeting a quote from Coach Frost. The video was Muhammad Barry, and I mean, well, I haven't seen. I, I'm going to have to try to find it now, but it was. It, it sounded like he was, you know, talking about guys need more i mean it sounds like mo berry has become a leader on the team um and, and i mean we we joked about it after the colorado game and how he you know he's a damn man um uh, you know grown-ass man uh and you made the comment about how he looks and is playing like an sec linebacker um but mm-hmm. the the statements that he made after the game were leader quality statements and uh about the i'm trying to remember exactly what it was now and i'll i'll have to find the tweet and and share obviously with you and and post it on the on when i post the article but you know he was talking about guys not being prepared um you know and not you know using that uh kind of cliche now of, of you know some guys maybe have not yet fully bought in um you know so it's it just to hear those statements from him, uh, you know, from another player, it, 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 I think it resonates more with his teammates than if they hear it from the coach who's, you know, just been in the locker room for 10 months and not two, three years. Yeah, it, it's always going to resonate more when it's one of your peers telling you to do something, you know, and in going to school to be a teacher and a coach, they talk about that being social proofing. Uh, it's an atmosphere of positive peer pressure. When you've got students or players keeping other students or players accountable, you know, they're going to respond more to a peer keeping them accountable because they don't want to be ostracized or ridiculed by their peers more so than an authority figure, you know, saying those things. So that, that's the thing. It's um, Dabo Swinney and Urban Meyer talk about this, too. Good teams are teams that the coach leads them. You know, 
great teams are when players lead each other. And you saw, you know, it's self-evident of what, you know, the night, the run for Nebraska in the 90s was. It was guys holding each other accountable. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think you said it in the Slack chat room and not in, not on Twitter per se. Um, but you made a mention of, you know, in talking about the offensive line play, and I know you're, you're probably wanting to talk more about, you know, the play or, or lack thereof this past Saturday against Michigan. But you said that, you know, in the 90s, it took three guys were in the weight room three years before they were on the field because mm-hmm. that pipeline was, it was exactly that. It was the pipeline. It was, you know, you earn your spot over time because the depth was there. You weren't just walking onto the field, you know, as a freshman, redshirt freshman or sophomore, and you weren't going to beat out an upperclassman because they were, no pun intended, entrenched in that position because they'd been in the weight room. They'd been through strength and conditioning and, and, and nutrition and and the program long enough. So a lot of these guys are being thrust into that spot. And I want to hear your take on that versus, I think it was John uh, JDJ, John Dam Johnston, who said, you know what, if – if you're not happy with the O-line play now, put the young guys in if you expect them to be the future anyway. Get them the reps now. So what's your take on on the guys who you know, you know, may perhaps need a couple more years in the weight room to get to Big Ten size versus the guys who are there who may have the size but maybe not the technique, maybe not the footwork, not the ability to do the job? Well, I'll start off from left to right. Right. Um, from the left side of the offensive line to the right. Brendan Hymas, he had a rough game yesterday. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he was lined up against both Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary. They switched those guys back and forth depending on their defensive call. And there was one play in particular where he got manhandled by Winovich. And, you know, on the surface you think, man, you know, you're 6'7", you know, 6'6", 6'7", 300 pounds. You shouldn't be getting, you know, popped like that by a defensive end. But then when you consider, you know, Chase Winovich is a fifth-year senior. He's a grown-ass man who's been involved in college strength and conditioning, nutrition, you know, major college football practices going on five years now. Brendan Hymas is a true sophomore who last year played at about 260 pounds at right tackle. He's still learning. And he's going to be a really, really, really good player when he, you know, as he continues to develop. So from that standpoint, you know, it's unfortunate that he's had to have that baptism by fire, but it's going to pay off in the long run with Hymas. At left guard, Gerald Foster, I, I don't want to be too critical of him. You know, I, you know, I don't want it to sound personal because it's not, you know. Someone can be, you know, a solid, you know, solid individual, but, you know, not – exactly be up to snuff as a football player and with foster you know it's that preparation that comes into play you know there too many times they're bad line you know line calls gets more into the center but even with foster there are times where he's not paying attention that you know there might be a couple extra you know an extra guy to the left side that they can't account for in pass protection well, you got to make a call as a guard to alert the quarterback or the center to flip the protections or audible into a different protection. So it's a preparation standpoint. 
And then at center, you know, Cole Conrad, he, he, one of his issues is the line calls. You know, um, we struggled with this when he was the starter and early in the 2017 season. And then when we brought in Michael Decker, he was very much, you know, more in tune to what line calls need to be made. He's both the physical spearhead of the offensive line as well as the processing unit, you know, and it's no surprise with him being, you know, a really smart kid, you know, academic, all big 10. And so that loss of Mike, that offseason departure of Michael Decker is a point that not a lot of people are talking about, but it's, you know, as someone, as others have said to me and, you know, reading message boards and on Twitter, it was basically, you know, it's on par with Tristan Jebbia leaving, you know, if not more so because the offensive line was actually rounded into form last year with Michael Decker at center. You know, they weren't going to be confused for the 94 pipeline with their execution, but they knew who to block because Decker had the correct line calls. And then from there, you know, if you know who to block, you're not going to be as tentative. You know, you're going to fire out. You're going to know who your assignment is. You're going to know what landmarks on that defender's body you need to get your hands to, where your feet need to be, because you know before the ball is snapped who your assignment is. And then, you know, at right guard, Tanner Farmer, he's playing his ass off. He's still somewhat limited, but he's playing his ass off. And you see that he's holding guys accountable, you know. Against Troy, Greg Bell ripped off a long run, but there was some miscommunication where um, the nose guard and the Mike linebacker stunned the same gap. And we got lucky on that play that they stunned the same gap because it opened up the front side A gap. But as Bell was still running downfield and the O-line was running to catch up so they could snap the next play, Farmer was talking to Conrad, and you could tell that he was pretty animated about what was a miscommunication, you know. And so, and then at right tackle, Matt Farniak is still learning how to be a right tackle. You know, he's got the physical attributes. In a perfect world, he would be an offensive guard. But, you know, there are some pieces along the offensive line at the tackle position in Hymas and Farniak that can continue to develop into being good players. Uh, Tanner Farmer continues to bring it. But right now, I think that that um, left guard and center position are probably spots where you need to think about a change, you know, a youth movement at those positions. Maybe you plug Hunter Miller in at center and Bo Wilson at left guard. Because at some point, you know, with this season looking like it could be potentially a wash, I mean, we're 0-3, and Purdue's coming to town with a war daddy of a nose guard, Lorenzo Neal Jr. We have to start thinking about developing for the future because if we don't, if we do and if we don't all at the same time, you're looking at 2020 at the very earliest before we have a semi-functional to good offensive line. Now, one of the things that you mentioned in the past uh, that, you know, it, it at least helps part of the problem is Tanner Farmer at center. Mm-hmm. And and I know this was particularly during preseason when Cole Conrad was out a little bit. and uh, But Tanner Farmer at center and then Bo Wilson at right uh, guard that still doesn't help the left side so I mean I guess and and I don't want to pick on Gerald Foster 
Uh, you know, the, his teammates found, you know, saw enough in him that they voted him a captain. So I don't, you know, there's there's something there. It's just for whatever reason, perhaps not translating on game day. Um, and and that's very much armchair quarterbacking. I'm not. I don't have anything against him. I'm not as smart as most people, but you know, that's yeah. Like you said, if there's a weakness, you I think when you're zero and three and you've just started the Big Ten schedule, you have to start. I I don't know. I, I don't. Part of me thinks that if you if you tamper with the lineup too much, then you're in panic mode. But at the same time, you have to be in you know, rebuild mode. Uh, you got to have a sense of urgency. Yeah. You can't go, yeah. can't go. zero and 12. Um, no, I mean, I guess you could, uh, but that means that you're losing to Illinois and that's just unacceptable. So, um, and I still will never concede an inch to Iowa. Now we're going to pause here and I'm going to send you that, uh, tweet on Slack. Uh, okay. that's got the Mo Berry, uh, just received it. Yeah. I just want you to watch that real quick and, and pick your brain on it. Uh, in hard times, it's going to be – it's people that, when, you know, when they face adversity, they, all their life is like a reaction. Uh, go hard. Go hard. You know, can't read. Learn how to read. Can't, can't – uh, you're not on the varsity team. Keep on working hard. Get on the varsity team. Stuff like that. And this loss right here – Oh yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be people that's gonna get off, and I hope I hope they show right now. Then then when we get to that team we want to be, and I hope that because I mean let's just be truthful. There's some people that want it and people that don't. That's why we playing the brand of football we play right now. But we gonna get we gonna get there, and it's all positive. But I hope if if people have any doubt in us on the team, I do hope that they make the exit now and we get better from here on out. And Monday practice, we work our, our butts off and we get better from here on up. That audio from Mohammed Berry comes courtesy of ABC8 in Lincoln and uh, on Twitter at Andrew Ward, KLKN. You know, I, in watching that, I remembered that I had read it. You know, I had read his quotes in somebody's tweet, but uh, much more impactful when you watch the video. He's 100% right, you know. If you're at a loaf, you might as well go play for the other team. You know, loafing is basically being a traitor. If you're not going to be prepared, you know. I'm just talking generally. I'm not talking about anyone specifically. But if you're not going to prepare, if you're not going to get after it every day, then, you know, you might as well let people know that that's, that's who you are so they can, you know the staff and your teammates and start making plans of rolling with somebody else. Let's talk about the, because the offense was so anemic on Saturday, let's talk about the defense because they got to see a lot of the field. Um, and oh, yeah. not, not much of that was good. Um, a lot of bad angles, a lot of missed tackles, um, a lot of looking like pop Warner, you know, uh, guys trying to tackle Big Ten, you know, college football players. Mm-hmm. The and again, I thought going in that the defensive line would would have a better showing that the front seven in in totality would would have a better showing, and that didn't happen. And because that didn't happen, Michigan didn't have to 
we're, I mean, like Shea Patterson, not to minimize his efforts, but he was not a big factor because he didn't didn't seem like he had to do a whole lot. He just had to manage the game because the running backs, you know, did did their job. I mean, it, Patterson didn't have a bad game, uh, obviously, but it just seemed like he didn't have to, you know, punch above his weight because. I mean, like how many times, you know, a couple times we heard uh, DiCaprio Boodle's name being called or, or Trey Neal, but it just didn't seem like they were throwing the ball that much because they didn't have to. Exactly. They didn't have to. And, you know, Boodle played pretty well in coverage. And Lamar Jackson, after a pretty shaky start, he actually started to, you know, it looked like the light was coming on a little bit for him in coverage. But defensively our our front seven got killed by a couple of things first off you know that michigan offensive line was an o-line of grown-ass men you know we got a pretty rude introduction yet again as we have over the past eight seasons in the big 10 to what grown-ass man football is and uh it really is groundhog day what was that it's the groundhog day of of the big 10 opener yeah yeah groundhog day just like the you know what you said at the beginning, you know, it's that's the common theme, you know, of losses like this. And so we got pushed around. And then to exacerbate that were a couple of things. Defensive alignment that Eric Chenander was calling against some of the formations that Michigan has, especially a lot of the condensed, compressed sets, were um, problematic. You know, we reduced our defensive ends down to being three techniques on the outside shoulder of the guard, kind of in a bare front, which is fine if you're going to have your linebackers, you know, setting the edge against tackles or tight ends. But instead, we were bringing our safeties up to go against, you know, grown-ass man, grown-ass men, Big Ten tight ends, and leaving our linebackers on the outside. You know, you could wrap a down block between a big 10 tight end and a safety a hundred times. And that safety is not defeating that down block a single time. That tight end is winning 100 times out of 100. And so that hurt us. Uh, Karan Higdon's long run, his first long run of the game came on a G lead play where their tackle and tight end, you know, blocked down and their play side guard pulled and kicked and, we had guys, you know, trying to spill the block or, you know, box it in. But we had no one from the second level, you know, filling. We had no look player, you know, who's fitting off of the force player. And so it's just – and th- that goes back to an attention to detail thing because it wasn't like, oh, we had guys in position, but they are just getting physically manhandled. It was we didn't have guys in position. They didn't know how to fit against it. So, again, that goes back to being in the film room. Paying attention to what your coaches are saying. And, um, you know, Shenander had some really good first da- first and second down calls. And then on third and long, we'd kind of get, you know, Harbaugh would throw out a call that, you know, would snooker whatever coverage or pressure that Shenander had called for third down. So it was de- de- defensively, I mean, Michigan essentially could have picked their score. And in a way, they did. Yeah, I mean, they 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 could have just kept playing. You know, they didn't have to sub out, put in the – I think they got down to the third-string quarterback at one point, 
They didn't. Yeah. Have, they didn't have to do that. Um, when you see a third string quarterback, your opponent's third stringer come in, chances are it's not a very good day at the office for you. And and by contrast, Nebraska's third string quarterback is not eligible to play. You know, um, so it's you know we're we're a tale of two programs right now. Uh, Nebraska and Michigan. It was, sure was nice that they kept you know the uh, Fox crew kept bringing up 1997 and uh, uh, you know going 21 years back in time to when Nebraska was good at football. Um, they're yeah. ju- they're just not good at football right now. Uh, I want to touch on a tweet. I I told you that uh, I I couldn't wait to deep dive into this mm-hmm. uh, uh, tweet of yours. And you said earlier today, Nebraska had a pretty good game plan in place to exploit Michigan's man coverage yesterday. But as Nebraska taught Steve Spurrier long ago, quote, it's not game plans, it's athletes. Now, part of that, at least by my interpretation, part of that means the recruiting that's been lackluster, uh, the development that's been lackluster, but I think more so, at least if I, you know, picking up the theme of, of what, you know, we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, really, is the preparation and the commitment from some of these players. And I don't know who's bought in and who's not. I, I see a lot of effort from a lot of guys, but I don't know who's quote-unquote bought in to the system and who's just coasting because, you know, they're on their, uh, you know, fifth defensive backs coach or their uh, third defensive coordinator or their second head coach. Yeah, I don't know who's who, and, and it, but is it a combination of, of talent and will, uh, ability and dedication? I mean, is it a combination, or, or do you think that that, lean, that scale tips one way or the other? Well, I think at its simplest, what it is is, We've recruited well, and we've actually out-recruited Michigan on two occasions in the past four years with our recruiting classes finishing ahead of theirs. But in terms of getting a team ready to compete in college football, the talent argument is a two-pronged attack. First, got to recruit, and then you got to develop. Well, we, we could recruit, but we couldn't develop under Riley. That's just a safe bet, you know, to say. Michigan recruited well and they've developed well. So you got guys who are well developed, well prepared. You know, they've been in the weight room, they've had some consistency in the past four years. And then you got our guys who are learning a new scheme, learning a new culture. They've known nothing but inconsistency in their careers. And so it just comes down to the fact that athletes, whether, you know, they're naturally talented and you develop them or they're maybe not quite as talented, but they can be developed. Um, they're going to, they're going to come out on top more often than game plans will. And now when you, when you talk about like that Tom Osborne quote from the Fiesta Bowl against Florida, you know, at halftime talking to Michelle Tapoya where he said it's not game plans, it's athletes. Nebraska in nineteen ninety five had the best of both worlds. They had phenomenal athletes and they had arguably the greatest play caller in the history of college football calling plays, developing game plans. 
greatest offensive line coach in the history of college football coaching the O-line. So, yeah, athletes are good at trump game plans. Well, let's – I think people – what you touched on just, you know, in, in your response there about Michigan – Michigan has had more stability, obviously, in, in recent history. Um, but I think people forget that it wasn't all that long ago that Michigan had Rich Rodriguez, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so they – Michigan has been where we are right now, perhaps maybe not to this extent, uh, but they had some, you know, really hang-their-head years, uh, you know, with, within the last decade or so. Um, oh, they went they went three and nine in two thousand eight. You know that's you know for all we know that's probably par for the course of what we're looking at this year. And that was the worst season in in their history. Um, so it, it's now they're I mean they're a top twenty team. Uh, it, uh, at least I'm fairly certain they are uh, after the win. Let's let's find out uh, as I pull up Google. They're ranked 19th heading into yesterday. Okay. And certainly, uh, a, no, so new new ones are out, and they're 14 now. So they're a top 15 team, and, uh, uh, you know, they've got their schedule. They, they've got their challenges. Nebraska has, you know, a, a longer list of challenges. I'm just saying people who are jumping off the bandwagon, just, you know, when, when the tide turns, don't jump back on you know, um, yeah. get I, on board, get out there. I think there's going to be a lot of space, a lot of room on the Nebraska, uh, ship when it's righted. Um, because there, there's a country song, um, oh crap. I think it's by Dirk Bentley. And, uh, oh, sideways. It's sideways. He talks about, uh, uh, that, you know, Talk rednecks and fighting, and once you're out, you ain't uh, you ain't coming back. That velvet rope ain't got no slack. Once you're off the Husker bandwagon, just stay stay off. Go root for Iowa State or or. Uh, uh, Don't be an Iowa fan. Yeah, well, I don't know. That'd be a, that'd be a pretty far way to jump from Nebraska to Iowa as far as fandom. But you now go uh, Kansas State. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I said Iowa State and Kansas State, and that's fine. Um, it's a little disheartening to know that the Kansas Jayhawks have a better record than we do. Um, yeah. it's It hurts to know that we're sitting right now at a seven-game slide. Um, I, I just go – I'm going to sound like a broken record here, uh, especially you know with the anniversary we all know is coming up later this week, which we'll talk about when we talk with – John Dam Johnston later in the week for our uh, you know weekly chat with him. I'm I'm not saying I'm not diehard. I'm not saying that you know watching my favorite college football team lose doesn't suck because it does. What I'm saying is at the end of the day I can't. This is just me. Um, I can't let the outcome of a football game in which I had zero effect on. You know like. I wasn't playing, I wasn't coaching, I wasn't even in the stands. I can't let that outcome affect my mood past, you know, about an hour after the final horn. You know what I'm saying? 
Like, yeah, I've got to yeah. be. Like, I, I can't. I can't. <clears throat> last year, I, I know I've shared this story on the podcast before, but last year, I uh, I scared the hell out of my wife, and uh, damn near crushed my son, uh, who was not quite two at the time, but still mobile. Uh, something went bad in the game, and I jumped up and uh, uh, shouted an obscenity and jumped off the couch. And like I said, I mean, I didn't actually, you know, crush him or anything. But, you know, she's like, my wife says, I'm just going to take him upstairs. You know, I don't, ever since then, like, I, I watched the game differently. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I guess I swallow my emotions type of thing. You know, I, I eat them away, uh, you know. But, um, you know, I, I just can't, I can't, it's not that I don't take it seriously. It's not that I don't want them to succeed. I just can't let it affect me in the way that it used to. Uh, I'm getting older. My heart's not going to, you know, go on forever. Uh, you know, heart conditions run in my family. Uh, I can't, I can't let the Huskers give me a heart attack. Um uh, so, th- that's that. I I probably just pissed off a lot of people. Who are like, you don't take it seriously enough. This is our religion. Well, maybe that's part of your problem. I don't know. Um, Haas, final thoughts, man. Before you, you know, I, I've I've brought it down quite a bit. What what what's what is a positive that we can take into our Monday and subsequent days as we look forward to Purdue? Give me one positive, even if it's not Husker football related. Well, I'm going to keep it Husker related. Fantastic. That's what um, we needed. <laughs> you know, I, I started off watching Husker football, watching Frank Solich coach, then Bill Callahan, Bo Pelini, bought into the Mike Riley experiment. Now I'm watching Nebraska play with Scott Frost as head coach. The rebuild is going to be over, but until then, a lot of things need to get fixed, and they will, you know. Frost didn't become a worse head coach in one offseason. Things aren't looking good, real, real good right now. But, uh, you know, be patient and just allow this thing to get built. I mean, I said it last week, but I'm going to preach it again. You know, just let it get built. This program needs a solid foundation like a man in the desert needs water. So, you know. Get together with your friends and family on Saturdays still. Watch the game, you know. Whether you like to yell or scream or whether you like to, you know, keep it a little more low-key, you know, that's up to you. But just always, you know, celebrate the the small victories week to week. We didn't see any against Michigan. That's a function of Michigan being damn good. But uh, well, Bear Pickering yeah. had a nice field goal. Yeah, you know, he hit a – he, he's hitting on a hot streak now. Is it two? Two. One, oh, it's not a streak yet. One more. That's a streak. Hey, we'll take uh, it. But, yeah, I mean, just give yourself, you know, an hour to kind of be pissed about the loss. Hell, give yourself 24 hours, but, you know, move on from it. Go about your week. You know, read the news. Follow your team. Check in on message boards. Tweet about it. You know, be a fan. But, you know. Keep moving forward. And uh, the other thing this week, you know, feels like fall has finally arrived. And if you're like me, fall-like temperatures are awesome. Eh, I don't know. 
I, the only reason I don't like fall temperatures is because that leads to winter temperatures, and I'm really not a fan of that. And actually, I'll, I'll, I'll even change that. I don't mind the, the cold. I don't mind the snow and the ice if, if, if it all managed to stay off the roads. Unfortunately, that's not how snow and ice works. Uh, so we'll just have to suck it up and deal. Uh, but, no, I completely agree with the ongoing sentiment that we'll probably preach week in and week out here, and that's Rome wasn't built in a day, and this Husker football program will not be rebuilt in a day, a week, maybe even one whole season. But we'll still beat Iowa, and that's that. Hey, the last time we started 0-3 was two months after we dropped the bomb on Japan. But we did close out that season by beating Iowa 13-6. to And that's, I mean, for, for this team, that's a viable score that could repeat itself. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> you know, you know it will probably be a shitty, cold, icy day in Iowa City on Black Friday. And, you know, we'll just... Uh, put the chains on the tires, you know, with the tailbacks and a little bit of Adrian Martinez running and we'll grit one out, you know, and uh, we'll uh, rub it in Kirk Ferentz's face for the next calendar year. And not him and, and the smug fans, the smug a-hole fans oh, of Iowa. Yeah, don't, don't get me started on them. And, you know, you see, we're, we're nice in that, like, our friends at the Big Red Cobcast, they get the hate listeners from Iowa, and we yep. don't. But I wouldn't mind it. Uh, yeah. Hey, I uh, I enjoy talking a little trash with the Iowa fans. I'm looking forward to it. So, hey, folks, uh, just remember, we could be one and eleven, yeah, three and three and nine, three and nine, because we'll beat Bethune, uh, Cookman, we'll beat Illinois, we'll beat Iowa, but we'll, we'll pick up a couple more wins a- a- along the way. Later this week, we'll be visited by Travis Miller of Hammer and Rails, the Purdue community we'll preview them and of course john damn johnston back in the chair with us once again that is going to be it for this episode of the five heart podcast as always bring in the wisdom bring in the funk hoss reuter and myself greg hooch mahachko and we appreciate you listening sharing downloading subscribing interacting on social media share your thoughts on the podcast on the state of nebraska football just about on, on anything on on your favorite pancake recipe. I don't care. I love pancakes. They're delicious. But uh, you can hit us up on social media. Find the links uh, on the post. And we're here twice a week during the football season reminding you that Five Heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Win the damn week. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Thank you.